0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. In 1967, Jacques Riveau wrote a ballad. It was entitled For Me. And it had English lyrics, and it was about a couple falling out of love. It was released in November of 1967, and it went to the top of the French charts for one week in February of 1968. Well, Paul Anka heard the French original while on holidays in the south of France. He flew to Paris, negotiated the rights to the song, returned to New York, and rewrote the original song for Frank Sinatra. And on December the 30th, 1968, Sinatra recorded his version of that song in one take. And My Way was released in 1969. Now, in the UK, the single achieved what is still an unmatched record, becoming the recording with the most weeks on the charts, spending 75 weeks on the charts in the UK from April 1970 to September of 1971. Although it became Frank Sinatra's trademark song, His daughter, Tina, said that her dad came to hate the song. He didn't like it, she said. He always thought the song was self-serving and self-indulgent. It is the tendency of human nature to want to do things our own way. Deeply rooted in man's sin-contaminated nature is an element of pride that sometimes we refer to as self-sufficiency. We are born with a built-in obsession for independence. You know, a little child jerks his hand away from daddy, determined to walk by myself. We admire the brash and the arrogant maverick who has the courage to dare to be different. Is there a danger in trying to be totally independent? Can I know that doing it my way is the best way? The Bible says in Proverbs 21 and in verse 2, the following, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. You see, the strange thing about selfishness is that we can't see it ourselves. You can try to convince me to take a look at myself from a different angle, but I'm not capable of seeing myself through anything but my own eyes. You know, I would like God to make me fabulously rich, impressively intelligent, a winner in every sense. My way may seem to be the right way. I'd like God to run the world my way. And there are those who really believe that that's what prayer is all about. They believe that if they are righteous, God will see to it that they never get cancer, are never unemployed, or will never lose loved ones. Now, I've heard preachers say that Christians are only sick because they don't ask God to make them healthy. The only reason a Christian is not wealthy, they say, is because they have never claimed the prosperity that God has for them. But does the Bible teach that if you are good enough, God will guarantee that you will live to a ripe old age? have good health, colossal prosperity, security and happiness all your life. But if you're wicked, however, you will die a pauper, a very young pauper at that. If that were the case, well, then there would be no way to distinguish between goodness and self-interest. You would have to be a fool not to be good, even if you hated God. Those who follow God are not guaranteed an easy life on a bed of roses. Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter 16 and verse 33, I have told you this so that you might have peace in your hearts because of me. While you are in the world, you will have to suffer, but cheer up, I have defeated the world. Many sincere Christians pray to be delivered from fatal illness only to have their medical tests confirm their worst fears. They have faith. They love God. But suddenly evil has come when they expected good. Praying Christians often lose loved ones or lose their jobs or have their marriages go sour. And it's easy to have faith when things are going well. What about the other times? You know, speaking about prayer, God says in 1 John chapter 5 and in verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. You see, my way may make for a good slogan for a popular singer but it isn't God's way to seek him in prayer. See, as the verse indicates, to be willing to follow God is what signifies having confidence in him. Now, why would a good God place a restriction on prayer? Now, does that mean that he isn't concerned with our personal desires and our personal needs? The fact is that God loves us too much to give us the kind of world that we want. God cares enough about us to say no to some of our foolish requests. You know, many people believe that God operates a supernatural lottery or a cash-and-carry store where you can purchase anything you desire, good or bad, if you can name it, you can claim it. There are those who frankly admit that they would rather get what they want than to get God. A few souls are even willing to sell their souls to the devil if that's what it took. Millions upon millions of prayers are not prayers at all. They're simply wishful thinking. They're made up of selfish demands, with no concern for who God is or or what God wants or even what is the best for the praying person in the long run. You know, some Christians cry out, why doesn't God punish the wicked and reward the righteous? I've been such a good Christian. Surely God should give me what I deserve. There's a story told of a woman that went to have her picture taken and said to the photographer, try to do me justice. The photographer, who was not discreet, said, madam, what you need is not justice, but mercy. Well, that's exactly what we all need. Mercy. We can't live by justice. Some years ago, I was impressed by the words of a 19th century commentator who, speaking about God's dealing with his people, said, he never leads them otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling. You see, God himself does not look out for number one. He looks out for the welfare of those less, least able to care for themselves. In the law and the prophets, in both the Old and New Testaments, God has a special concern for the poor and the brokenhearted. In the stories of Noah and Abraham, we see God punishing people for being wicked to each other, not for not worshiping him. The prophets speak of a God for whom being kind, being kind to each other is more important than bringing sacrifices to his altar. This golden rule is central to the teachings of the New Testament. Now, Christ is our great example and our instructor in the business of praying. He didn't demand any special privileges. He expected a cross, and that is exactly what he got. The night before he was crucified, he knew exactly what was coming. I mean, for any of us to face death is hard enough, but, but Jesus' circumstances were unique. Only rarely does anyone know when and, and how they will die. Jesus had often resorted to Gethsemane for meditation and for prayer. And on the eve of his crucifixion, he returns to that spot. Now this time, his heart is so full of sorrow, and the discip- that the disciples now become anxious and they're perplexed, his countenance has changed. His form swayed as if he was about to fall. As he enters the garden, he says to his companions, sit you here a while while I go over yonder and pray. And then he selects Peter, James, and John to accompany him. He proceeds further into the recesses of the garden. He went a short distance from his companions. He fell prostrate with his face upon the earth. He was overpowered by a terrible fear that God was removing his presence from him. He felt himself being separated from his own father by a guilt of sin. From his pale lips wailed this bitter cry, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Three times, three times he repeated this heart-rending prayer. Jesus knew what the Father willed on this matter, yet he still prayed for another way. And the Father's answer was a compassionate, but a clear-cut no. Because the Father loved the world. He insisted that Jesus follow the plan. There was no lack of faith on the part of Jesus. There was no problem with the father-son relationship. Jesus prayed as hard as he could, and the answer was still no. When Jesus' will clashed with the Father's will, Jesus submitted, even though the disappointment and the cost could not have been any greater. His choice was to obey the Father's will. He was convinced that his Father's choice would ultimately prove to be the right choice. And it did. A crucifixion became the world's salvation. A hill of torture that is shaped like a skull became a garden of resurrection. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, in the heart of the prayer are the words, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our instructions are to direct our prayers to God, but in harmony with his will. William Barclay, the famous British scholar, wrote that the ultimate choice in life is between pleasing oneself and pleasing God. It's a choice between my way and his way. I can pray for God to make everything the way I want it to be, becoming consumed with myself and using God to accomplish what I want. But that way, well, that way I make God to be my servant and to do what makes me happy instead of me being the servant of God to make Him happy. To serve God is not to forfeit your joy in life. To the contrary. It's by doing God's will that true happiness is found. When we learn in our lives to stop using God and start loving Him, a fascinating transformation takes place. We discover that in that God-centered life a level of satisfaction and contentment and pleasure that the fulfillment of all our selfishness could never bring. You know, the Apostle Paul was a great exemplar and authority on the subject of prayer. There was tremendous power in his prayers. Prison doors were thrown wide open. Earthquakes took place. Demons were cast out. New churches were established. Great missionary enterprises became successful all through the power of prayer as practiced by the Apostle Paul. Prayer made up the substance, the bone, the marrow, the very being of his religious life. And it would seem that someone so close to God so experienced in prayer and so effective with supernatural power would get a yes from God when asking for a small personal favor. The story is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, where he says, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For some 20 centuries, theologians and scholars have been intrigued to know what this thorn in the flesh was. The thorn suggests a pointed piece of wood, like a splinter or a sliver, something driven into the flesh, impossible to get out. The fact that it was in the flesh suggests that the infirmity was bodily, not spiritual or mental. It was apparently something that caused the apostle considerable embarrassment as well as discomfort and inconvenience. Most scholars seem to believe that it was some affliction that affected his eyes. It was evidently a hindrance to his ministry. He referred to it as the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Satan's purpose was to annoy Paul and hinder his work. On three particular occasions, Paul had pleaded with God to remove this distressing affliction. Christ had prayed three times for the removal of the cup he was to drink. And when God said no to Christ, He accepted the answer as the will of God. Paul also graciously accepted a negative answer. It must have been frustrating for him. He had survived a deadly snake bite. He had healed almost all of the sick people on the island of Malta with just a simple prayer. Now, he couldn't get God to simply fix his eyes. Now, did God give Paul exactly what Paul asked for? No. But did God answer Paul's prayer? Yes. His prayer did not bring him release from his affliction, but it did provide him with the grace to endure it. Christ more than met his need with an abundant provision of grace. You see, God has never promised to alter circumstances or to release us from trouble. Inward strength to endure is a far greater manifestation of divine grace than the mastery of outward difficulties of life. Outwardly, a person may be torn, worn, wearied, and almost broken, yet inwardly, having the privilege in Christ to enjoy perfect peace. You know, it is the custom in Portuguese to qualify their marking of appointments with the words, si Deus quiser. It means, if it is God's will. This dates back to the early Christian custom of writing DV in letters whenever mentioning future plans. The letters at the end were an abbreviation for the Latin... Deus Volte, meaning God willing. This practice seemed to have its basis in the book of James, where Christians were instructed in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, the following way. You should know better than to say today or tomorrow we will go to the city, we will do business there for a year and make a lot of money. What do you know about tomorrow? How can you be sure that about your life? It is nothing more than a mist that appears for only a while before it disappears. You should say, if the Lord lets us live, we will do these things. There's a story told of a medical missionary family far from their North American homeland. They were facing a crisis. Their son, little Jimmy, was gravely ill. Only immediate surgery could save his life. The only qualified surgeon in the area was his own father. And the father decided that it would be necessary for him to perform the procedure. As he prepared little Jimmy for the operation, the little fellow looked up at his dad and said, you won't hurt me, daddy, will you? His dad replied, I will have to hurt you, my boy but I promise not to do anything to harm you. You see, that's God's promise to us. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I have to admit to you that I feel hurt when the answer to my prayers is an emphatic no. But someday, someday soon in the new earth, I will get a chance to talk to my Savior and I will ask Him for an answer. And without any question, it will become become clear to me that everything was done for my own benefit. And my ultimate happiness. It's all a matter of trust. I lost my dad a little while ago. Many prayers ascended to heaven on behalf of my dad. and someone asked me if I had enough faith to believe that God could heal my dad. And another shocking question startled me when someone asked me, Bill, do you have enough faith if your dad is not healed? Well, how is your faith? Is it strong enough to accept a negative answer to some of your longings without breaking your faith in your divine father? We may not always understand, but if we trust him, we can have peace. You know, in the words of a gospel song, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful. We're so thankful for your love and your mercy that you just pour out on each and every one of us as undeserving as we are. Father, I want to pray for those right now that are are in the midst of a turmoil, a, a difficulty, a situation that from every human perspective appears to be insolvable, impossible to be resolved. Father, I pray that you draw near to them and you answer that prayer and you provide them the faith to accept the answer to your prayer. Thank you for loving us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. If you've been watching us for a while, you know that on every broadcast, we make a resource available to our viewers, something that we'd like to give you to help you better understand this God that loves us so much, that had his son die for us. In today's program, we have these, uh, you know, medium sized copies of Signs of the Times magazine. And the one we're offering today is entitled God's Final Message. We want to send you this as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. There's no obligation, no cost whatsoever on your part. This SMALL MAGAZINE WILL ARRIVE AT YOUR HOME, POSTAGE PAID. YOU'LL GET IT IN THE MAIL. IF YOU'D LIKE TO REQUEST THIS, THEN PAY CLOSE ATTENTION TO THE INFORMATION WE'RE ABOUT TO PROVIDE YOU.
1: TO RECEIVE TODAY'S FREE OFFER, YOU CAN LOG ON TO THE LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION WEBSITE, wwwl 4 THAT'S THE LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION WEBSITE, wwwl 4 you can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. IF YOU WISH, YOU can ORDER THIS OFFER BY CALLING OUR 1-800-NUMBER AT 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. WHILE ON OUR WEBSITE, YOU CAN LEAVE A PRAYER REQUEST, AND IF IMPRESSED TO DO SO, DONATE TO HELP KEEP THIS MINISTRY ON THE AIR. THANK YOU FOR YOUR SUPPORT.
0: WELL, WE'VE COME TO THE END OF ANOTHER LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION PROGRAM. As I do each and every week, I want to thank you so much for for making the decision to spend these moments with us. I know you have plenty of options there on your your screen, but you chose to be with us, and we're very grateful that you did that. I just want to let you know that um, the offers, we do our best to get those offers out. We've been having some challenges in getting some of the offers. And so if for whatever reason you made a request maybe a number of weeks ago and, and you never got it, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can write to me directly at bill at L4LTV.com. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me and send me an email saying, I requested this, this offer. It never came. It could just very well be that we're just gotten out of stock and replenishing the stock has been a bit of a challenge over the last number of months. And so we'll do our best to get you something comparable. Remember to visit our website, l4ltv.com. All of the previous programs are on there. There's a Donate Today tab that if you feel so moved to make a donation, we are a charitable organization. You will get a receipt for income tax purposes. Follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill, every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I put out a one-minute devotional video, great way to start your day. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our Facebook page. We're going to have an audio version of this program available through SoundCloud in about 30 minutes from the end of this program. Check that out, download it, carry it with you. Remember to visit MissionNowCanada.com. It's the overseas humanitarian work that we do. Check out that website also. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for watching. We hope you choose to be with us again next time. God bless you. We'll see you back here then.